I'm Tamara Steele. In this week's show, a new 36-page report talks about water quality in New Brunswick's lakes and rivers. Upgrades worth $20 million are now complete at this airport, and the Premier discusses the tough road ahead for Cannabis NB. A new report shows the quality of water in the province's lakes and rivers is in relatively good shape. Danielle McCready spoke with Environment Minister Jeff Carr on what some of the key findings in the 36-page document are. Tell me a little bit about the, the key findings that you guys found monitoring the water. The, it's actually a state of the water quality in our lakes and rivers. Mm-hmm. And what it shows is um, from our 55 river monitoring stations that we uh, monitor that the water quality is good to excellent in many of our lakes and, and uh, rivers. It's uh, the first time that we've released this report like this, and it does fulfill the first action in our water strategy. So we're very happy about that. We work with a number of groups. Uh, We work with uh, watershed groups, stakeholders, and and First Nations groups, and uh, gather their information, uh, put it into the report, and this will be a report that will be updated annually now. So we're pretty excited that, you know, we've been able to finally fulfill this and get a get a report out there so that people can mull over and have a look at how our our rivers and lakes stack up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are some of the things that you know have helped in improve the quality of water? Well, I I don't think it's anything that the government in, in itself has done. I think there's been a lot of work put in by the watershed associations and First Nations groups to help the public better understand the need to uh, protect more of our rivers, lakes, and streams. There is more work to do, obviously. Uh, we see algae blooms uh, every summer now, so we need to understand more about the causes of that um, going forward. But um, just the same, I'm I'm happy that after all these years, we finally published a, a report such as this one, you know, taking information from 55 river monitoring stations and putting them in a port that we can monitor and and, uh, and update annually is a good step in the right direction. And I look forward to next year's report. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's also a, a handful of other concerns beside the algae blooms. Could you maybe walk me through some of um, the other things that the province is uh, a little bit concerned about? Well, there's some inv- invasive aquatic species that uh, get transferred from one body of water to another. I recently visited the uh, the lake, the Brunswick Lakes Association, and you know they were pretty quick to talk about people that transport their boats or transfer their boats from one body of water to another and which uh, transfers invasive aquatic species if their boats aren't uh, drained and washed out and cleaned properly and dry. So that's an issue that, you know, they and us will continue to talk about. Uh, surface runoff is, a, is a, a, an additional issue with, uh, you know, we have some sedimentation and erosion issues here in the springtime, obviously. And, uh, you know, obviously the the main ones that we talk about most often is the pesticides and herbicides and how do we, I think top of mind for myself and government is how do we limit the use of those uh, pesticides and herbicides close to water so that we can make our waters and rivers even, our lakes and rivers even more clean. That's kind of a a goal for myself and Minister Mike Holland from the Department of uh, Natural Resources. We have to do better we think as as a government and as a general population and and uh, it all starts with uh, all of us working together to to better understand what puts our rivers and and streams in jeopardy and lakes and and what makes them fresher
Mm-hmm. And another one I hear a lot from groups like um, ACAP is uh, things like microplastics and just, you know, straight human trash yeah. appearing in some of our waters as well. Yeah, that, that's that's a real problem. Um, and that's why we're, you know, we're happy to be moving in the direction of reducing plastics here in the province with our uh, PPP program that we're going to uh, be initiating in the next uh, 6 to 12 months and just educating people more on the on the uh, importance of not putting their trash in in the lakes and the and the rivers uh it's it's so important i think the majority of new brunswickers understand that but uh we just have to do better to to keep these uh you know the plastics and and the trash out of our waterways I think those answer all of my questions about, you know, key findings in the report. Did you get a chance to look at it? It's a long document. I did, yeah. It's 36 pages long, yeah. I think. Yeah. But in there. The Watershed Associations play a big part of this. Mm-hmm. And their information that we gather, we're going to launch a uh, portal that the general public can see exactly, you know, the lakes, that the people that we work with in the Lake Association as well, when they send their information to us, it'll be right on an online portal that people can access and kind of monitor their own lake if they want to. So that'd be a cool thing. It's not ready to go yet, but it's being worked on. I do have one last question for you. This one does have to do with water, maybe a little bit off topic. Um, I'm not sure if you've uh, seen in the the media recently these stories about um, contaminated private wells and uh, lead in the water, especially here in Atlantic Canada. Um, I I know that you guys probably haven't noticed that a lot here. I know St. John Water hasn't reported any lead in in their water, private wells, but I was just wondering if you wanted to to comment on that. I kind of have to have a look at it before I commented too much, but I do know when my brother Jody was the Minister of Education, he asked some questions in the department about testing uh, water in schools. And it really hadn't been monitored much up until that time. It was 2012 or 13, I believe. So they tested right at the water cooler, right in the schools, and they found all sorts of different metals in the water. So he uh, got some money in the department, and they and we started really addressing that issue in our public school systems so that children had safe, safe drinking, safe clean drinking water. Mm-hmm. And most of the issues there came from. Uh, the piping systems and the water coolers in the schools. So I'd be interested to see if other provinces have gone down that path of checking their own water in their schools too, because it's that's a huge that could be a huge problem. I'm Danielle McCready. Twenty million dollar facelift at the St. John Airport is finished. I recently spoke with President and CEO Derek Stanford about the work and the impact the improvements will have. The uh, the St. John Airport uh, runways uh, were up for uh, refurbishment. Runways typically last between you know, 17 to 20 years, and ours had not been done since 2001, so they were up and uh, and overdue. So we took advantage of the opportunity of um, since we were ripping apart the, the airfield to begin with, because the runways required complete rehabilitation, so all the milling and the paving. So we completely modernized the St. John Airport's airfield. So that includes all new runways all new lighting for the runways, all new drainage out on the airfield as well. We also added um, runway and safety areas, which are a new and emerging safety standard, um, not typically required for an airport our size. But since we're out there doing all this work, we decided to include them because they'll eventually become mandatory safety feature for our airport. But currently they're mandated for airports with 500,000 passengers a year or more. 
but they'll eventually become, as I said, standard for all airports. So we took advantage of the opportunity while we had the place ripped up to add in those. And probably the most important element to the safety is um, the addition of centerline high-intensity LED lighting down the middle of our longer instrument runway, our main runway, if you will, as well as LED lighting down the sides. And we also took advantage of the opportunity again, since we're out there doing all this work, uh, there were a lot of terrain obstacles uh, at the airport that had been grandfathered over the years, and um, we were exempt, uh, you know, just through our grandfather um, status that uh, we didn't have to remove them. But um, we were getting to the point where the exemption was no longer going to apply, so we re re removed a lot of the obstacles in the airfield, things like, you know, hills that are a little bit too, um, too tall for today's standards or rock that's a little too close to the runway for today's standards, so... Again, we took advantage of, uh, of the window of opportunity to, to make all those remedies. So now the St. John Airport would have the most modern, the most safest airfield in a, of an airport in this category, I'd say, in, in Canada at the moment. So it's just really, really amazing accomplishment to have such modern safety standards along with a brand-new uh, airfield that complies with both all of the standards of today and the ones that are coming for the future. And so, in the meantime, are you using a you're using a different runway? Well, in the uh, we've had our instrument runway closed since August 19th, but um, once all the work is done with regards to the paving, the drainage, the lighting, the rock removal, we're able to open that runway and use it. What was the uh, price tag on this project? Twenty point five million dollars. And who funded that entirely? We were um, eligible for federal funding through the National Trade Corridor Fund, the NTCF. Uh, we received $10.5 million from the, uh, the federal government. We received about $4 million from the provincial government, and the airport funded $6 million, the remaining $6 million from our own resources. So what are you hoping these changes will do for the St. John Airport? Well, for one thing, it's a huge shot in the arm from a sustainability perspective for the St. John Airport, because without this funding, um, trying to afford uh, even just the runway refurbishment alone with all of the draining that was required, and again, you'd want to do the lighting then, um, would be a huge uh, mountain to climb. So for us, you know, the runways were overdue. They needed to be rehabbed, so we've been able to rehab them. And at the same time, we've added some modern safety features, which certainly propel the St. John Airport well into the future. So arguably, the, the airport now is, is equipped for another 20 years of, uh, of sustained growth and, uh, and viability um, due to this investment. A lot of folks have been very keen about the project, and they've been very supportive. And, um, you know, the St. John Airport, its management team and the board of directors are absolutely committed to providing St. John Air travelers with the highest standard of safety and, uh, and the best possible experience in, in flying out of our, our airport or flying into our airport. What is the status of Air Canada Rouge? The uh, Rouge has been delayed slightly because of the, the, air, the airline has had a, a bit of a, of a hard time managing aircraft with the MAX 8 groundings. Uh, a lot of people didn't realize that Air Canada moves between ten and 12,000 people a day on those Boeing MAX 8s. So while they've been grounded, they've really been scrambling to uh, maintain their existing schedule with the fleet of aircraft that they had. So the jet that was slated for St. John is just being used for another route at the moment. And, um, you know, it's Air Canada's hope that they'll have these MAX 8s back into service soon. And um, in the official date right now we've got on the books with Air Canada is Feb 1 um, 
for a start date, but that is subject to change. If you look at other markets where they've been introducing the Rouge, A319 in Atlantic Canada or around the country, um, you know, the delays have been anywhere from sort of three to, to five months. So uh, we were originally slated, if you recall, to start on October 27th. You know, it, it, it's definitely happening. It's just uh, as soon as they can get the fleet, um, you know, straightened out and the, the aircraft available, we're, uh, we're in. So if you go online now, as an example, and you were using the Air Canada, I think, booking tool, um, I think you see it starting to pop into schedules on February 1st. The improvements were funded by the federal and provincial governments and the airport itself. Premier Higgs will not rule out the idea of selling Cannabis MB. It's one option as the Crown Corporation continues to struggle financially with the recent layoffs of several managers. Higgs was asked about the possibility that Cannabis MB may not turn a profit until sometime next year. Well, it's always good to have, be optimistic. Um, I guess I, from what I've seen so far and, and what I've seen of our business model, I, I would be uh, uh, concerned that, that that would be a prediction that there would be a high degree of confidence in. But I know they're looking closely at their, their bottom line and expenses. I know there's, there's many that are locked in that, that make it pretty difficult to change the, 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 the day to day costs of operation. Um, through that same period, you know, I said we're going to look at an option. So, so it's kind of a, um, an incentive in one way, you may say, for, for, the, for the board to look at what are the best uh, outcomes that they can actually put in place. And, um, and then we compare that with what options we have uh, to look at other models. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we'll do over the next six months. I know with edibles coming online here and, and the approval, that's something that they, they feel is going to be a bit of a game changer for them in terms of the financial aspect. And that's why they're, they're probably you know, projecting different numbers. But I think the last report showed us again down another million and a half or in that range. And, uh, and to date, we're, we're not unique in the country. Um, but we're not going to keep losing money on, on this. And, and we know the, the legal market is a factor in all this, and, and illegal activity's been there for a long time, and we've talked to the police how we can deal with that. Uh, but I think if you're not in the game, if you're not competitive, um, and the fact that you can actually grow this product in your backyard, it makes it pretty hard to uh, be, ever think you'll be profitable unless you can get competitive. Can you do it with the model that you're currently under? I mean, it's very, other models. Well, it's very difficult um, because there's some, um, you know, basically some fixed costs there that, that, uh, that are just part of that model. So, um, you know, we've looked across the country, we've looked at other options and, and we'll look at other, other players and, you know, whether that's a combination of, um, of a private operation and the public. Uh, we will continue to regulate. We'll continue to be very close to, uh, to how people, um, you know, are having access to this, this product. But uh, the role of government has is, is always, in my mind, been uh, we have to certainly be uh, there first and foremost for safety and regulation. And then uh, if we're in the retail business, we have to be competitive. So selling it is still an option? Yeah, it is still an option, um, and that, that's part of the analysis we're going through. And, and knowing how good we can be, which is what the board are, are you know, uh, endeavoring to, uh, to uh, prove, is, is, is very helpful because we need to know our, uh, where the differences are and if they're real or not real, and that's how we'll make a good decision. Premier Higgs spoke with reporters at a media conference in Quispamsis. That's it for this week's show. I'm Tamara Steele.